Hello, world. I'm Roger Corville, and this is For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible, where we read through the scriptures conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity, and learn to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in his world. You ready? Let's roll. Welcome. A crisis has hit the church in Galatia. Of course, like uh, they always did, or many of them did, uh, the church came into being as a result of God's Spirit at work in Paul's proclamation of the gospel. But within a short space of time since Paul left, the church has been visited or infiltrated by, yep, you guessed it, false teachers. This book is unlike Paul's other writings, so pop quiz, do you know why? Hey, Hopeful, welcome to For the Hope's listener-supported Daily Audio Bible, where we read through every word of God's revelation of himself and consider our own stories in light of that, including the way that I'm going to riff today, because we'll just have a little extra time, so you can just ignore me after we're done reading if you want. And uh, know this, if if this is your first time around, we're in a season where your grateful host is spending a little less time here in lieu of vacation and a week in Denver for my doctoral studies. So we're just reading through some New Testament books. And um, I'm not preparing teaching each day. So there you go. As the ESV Bible study, uh, study Bible puts it, there is no initial thanksgiving in the book of Galatians. And some think that this indicates Paul's agitation and alarm over the theological situation in Galatia. He gets right to the point, which is that the Galatians are in danger of turning to a different gospel, thereby risking their everlasting ruin. Hmm, maybe we should be a bit more urgent about being concerned about uh, people turning to a different gospel. Just thinking out loud, that's what we do here. You and me having a conversation, and in this case, I got the microphone. Galatians chapter 1. Paul, an apostle, not from men or by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me, to the churches of Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I am amazed that you are so quickly turning away from him who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel. But there are some who are troubling you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, a curse be on him. As we have said before, I now say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, a curse be on him. For am I now trying to persuade people? Or or God, am I striving to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. That's a pretty powerful line. If I were trying to please people, I wouldn't be a servant of Christ. That's We could probably camp out there for a half hour. But we won't. For I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel preached by me 
is not of human origin. For I did not receive it from a human source, and I was not taught it, but it came by a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard about my former way of life in Judaism. I intensely persecuted God's church and tried to destroy it. I advanced in Judaism beyond many contemporaries among my people because I was extremely zealous for the traditions of my ancestors. But when God, who from my mother's womb set me apart and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me that I could preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone. I did not go up to Jerusalem to those who had become apostles before me. Instead, I went to Arabia and came back to Damascus. Then, after three years, I did go up to Jerusalem to get to know Cephas. Remember, that's Peter. I did go up to Jerusalem to get to know Cephas, and I stayed with him 15 days, but I didn't see any of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. I declare in the sight of God, I was not lying in what I write to you. Afterward, I went to the regions of Syria and Cilicia. I remained personally unknown to the Judean churches that are in Christ. They simply kept hearing, He who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. Then, after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus also, And I went up according to the revelation and presented to them the gospel I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to those recognized as leaders. And I wanted to be sure that I was not running and had not been running in vain. But not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. This matter arose because some false brothers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ in order to enslave us. But we did not give up and submit to these people for even a moment so that the truth of the gospel would be preserved for you. Now, from those recognized as important, what they were makes no difference to me. God does not show favoritism. They added nothing to me. Pause, my friends. This is really important for reasons I can't even totally get into today. Remember, Paul has this amazing, miraculous conversion experience meeting the risen Christ in, right on the road to Damascus. And he doesn't immediately go, you know, hang out with the Christians. And then he goes to Peter and James and just makes sure he's cool. And then he's off for a long time preaching the gospel. And he comes back. And what does he do? He says, I want to make sure that what I'm teaching is on target. My friends, how often do we go to the leaders or theologians or the people we trust and say, are we okay here? My friends, do we, do we change the Bible or are we changed by the Bible? Here's Paul. Going, I wanted to make sure that I wasn't that I was on the right track. And as we just read, they said they added nothing to me. All right, let's keep going. On the contrary, they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel for the uncircumcised, just as Peter was for the circumcised. 
since the one at work in Peter for an apostleship to the circumcised was also at work in me for the Gentiles. Meaning the Holy Spirit in Peter is the same Holy Spirit in me, and we've got different mission fields. When James, Cephas, and John, those recognized as pillars, acknowledged the grace that had been given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to me and Barnabas, agreeing that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. They asked only that we would remember the poor, which I had made every effort to do. Pause. I'm just going to hurt myself today. What did you just do? They only asked that we would remember the poor. Probably not hard to imagine, but Paul is probably talking about being clear on doctrinal truth, right? Do, am I, do I have the right story? Am I interpreting things correctly? Which is what we know. And they also want to make sure that that follows in his actions, meaning what he does. They only would they asked only that we would remember the poor, which I made, I had made every effort to do. Just so we know. It's not what we think, feel, or do. It's what we think, feel, and do. <laughs> All right. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For he regularly ate with the Gentiles before certain men came from James. However, when they came, he withdrew and separated himself because he feared those of the circumcision party. And then the rest of the Jews joined his hypocrisy so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were deviating from the truth of the gospel, I told Cephas in front of everyone, if you who are a Jew live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you compel Gentiles to live like Jews? We are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners, and yet... Because we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we ourselves have believed in Christ Jesus. This was so that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no human being will be justified. But if we ourselves are also found to be sinners, quote-unquote, while seeking to be justified by Christ, is Christ then a promoter of sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild those things that I tore down, I sh show myself to be a lawbreaker. For though the law, for through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. You foolish Galatians, who has cast a spell on you, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? I only want to learn this from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by the Spirit, are you now finishing by the flesh? Did you experience so much for nothing? In fact, if it was for nothing? So then does God give you the Spirit and work miracles among you by your doing works of the law? Or is it by believing what you heard? Just like Abraham who believed God and it was credited to him for righteousness. 
You know then that those who have faith, these are Abraham's sons. Now the scripture saw in advance that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and proclaimed the gospel ahead of time to Abraham, saying, All the nations will be blessed through you. Consequently, those who have faith are blessed with Abraham, who had faith. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, because it is written, Everyone who does not do everything written in the book of the law is cursed. Now it is clear that no one is justified before God by the law, because the righteous will live by faith. But the law is not based on faith. Instead, the one who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us because it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. The purpose was that the blessing of Abraham would come to the Gentiles by Christ Jesus so that we could receive the promised Spirit through faith. Brothers and sisters, I'm using a human illustration. No one sets aside or makes additions to a validated human will. And he's talking about a like a, a will that you execute after someone dies. No one sets aside or makes addition to a validated human will. Now the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. He does not say, and to seeds, as though referring to many, but referring to one, he says, and to your seed, who is Christ. My point is this. The law, which came 430 years later, does not invalidate a covenant previously established by God and thus cancel the promise. For if the inheritance is based on the law, it is no longer based on the promise. But God has graciously given it to Abraham through the promise. And my friends, that gets us up through chapter 3, verse 18, and we're done and I just got to tell you about another gospel and uh, the way I explained it even to a friend of mine last night. And this is particularly top of mind because of the spiritual formation class that I'm in in my doctoral studies and am being asked to read some questionable material. There is a really common, and you've heard me even reference this multiple times, kind of sideways in the last, I don't know, week or two. There is a false gospel uh, that is really common, which is about, which, which functionally redefines sin as not living up to your true self. The story goes, or so is told, that you were made in the image of God, you were made good, and sin is your falling short or missing the mark of that. And they use sin, you know, even definitions of sin like missing the mark which sounds like uh, the technical definition of sin in the sense that we uh, as conservative evangelicals think of it but what they mean by resolving the problem is that you need to be transformed into the image of Christ and very frequently that's because that's either experiential or action oriented meaning meaning you just have you just need to get back to your true self right now my friends if you get back to your true self even in their language with the with the help of the holy spirit 
Who's doing the saving? My friends, the gospel recognizes that the true gospel recognizes that I can't do something to close the gap. There's a reason why my righteousness in heaven is seen through the blood of Jesus because there was no way I could close that gap. And therefore, what is required? Meaning the gospel isn't the gospel if there isn't remorse that also includes repentance, right? Some people are remorseful because they're sorry about the consequences of sin, but not repentant in the sense of confessing my sin as saying, I can't do this, therefore I need a Savior. Lord, I accept you and what Jesus did as my Savior. Do you catch that subtle but important difference? Right? If if the Christian life is about finding your true self, what we end up with is a self-help program. Did you catch that? What we end up with is a self-help program instead of saying, Lord, help my unbelief. I can't do this. I can't close the gap between me and God. And remember this, and I'm done. All religions, except Christianity, are based on you closing the gap between you and God. Right? Some form of achievement or transformation that is based on you growing in your spiritual practices. And yet, Christianity uniquely isn't about you getting to God. It's about God coming for you. I love you, my friends. Amen. We have a different gospel among us. And if you have received any other gospel besides the one that you received, (laughs) don't take it from me. Go dig into your Bible, please. And I love you. Amen. Amen.